<laughs> That's ridiculous. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. This is Honky, and uh, we're doing something a little special here tonight. Uh, Husker Nation, it's full of amazing, positive fans who want nothing more than to see Nebraska compete, win their fair share, and proudly support the Scarlet and Cream. Well, tonight we've assembled a who's who of Husker influencers from the Twitter sphere. Uh, thank you all for your time and quick turnarounds on my last minute invite. They are also making a repeat visit, uh, each of them, to the Redcast. First off, uh, we have Chaz, born in Lincoln, lifelong Husker fan, newly retired and student of Speed City football. There we go. Hey, good to see you all. <laughs> Next up, man, we have Hus Guys, the Huskers' number one hype man since 2010. This is the year. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me on. Oh, honky, appreciate it. Uh, you asked for one hot take, and I always like to come out hot. I think we're going to win the Big Ten, and I'm going to believe that until we are mathematically eliminated, and I'd rather be wrong than pessimistic, so I'm going to start with that one. Love it. Next up, Husker fan. She likes college sports, bush lights, and making people's laugh. She's also co-host of Popping Colonel's podcast, Meg. Hello. Hey, you called me a Husker influencer, which is really cool, but my daughter regularly informs me that I am not an influencer until I get to 10,000 followers. So just saying. We'll have to retweet this a bunch, everyone. You know, come on, let's let's share some followers. Uh, Next up, believe the hype. Hates the fade route except when it works. Huskers to the grave. Chris from Husker Hype. What's up, Honky? What's up, guys? It's awesome to be here with the uh, the Husker Twitter Titans. I feel uh, very honored. My hot take is uh, kind of directed towards Meg, and I believe that Coors Light is 10 times a better beer than uh, Bush Light. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Shots fired. And last but not least, he has successfully banished rent-free as an appropriate Twitter response in 2019. He's an empathetic biased realist and proud to be an American Jim in Minnesota. What's up, Redcasters? Glad to be back with you guys. And I'm excited to see Chaz's haka dance at the at the end of this broadcast <laughs> because he's back <laughs> from six months in Hawaii. So looking forward to it, Chaz. I can't make the arms move and the feet move at the same time. I, I, I even took a lesson on it. Didn't work. The visual here is great. We have Chaz doing uh, the Hawaiian dance there and that's that's wonderful. Here's my oh. hot take. Your running back for Illinois is going to be Sevion Morrison out of the gates. Running back number one. I'm calling it right now. Boom. Boom. That'd be okay by me. I didn't give you a hot take. Bring it. Hot well, take. Go, go for it, Chaz. I don't have one. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? I think I think Adrian Martinez starts. There you go. I like that. That is hot. Whoa. Now, what was also hot, Chaz, is – uh, you came back from Hawaii here. Since you've come back, you've done a couple different Twitter spaces chats. Uh, we haven't gotten into that yet with the Redcast. Might be something that we uh, try to do here in the near future. I don't know. But uh, you've had a chance to kind of already start to gauge the pulse of Husker Nation. And that's what I want to do here tonight with all of you. We actually have a, a season coming up here. In seven days, I'm going to be in Illinois. Uh, there are games. I, despite all the you know infractions, I, I don't think we're going to be on probation this season. I think we're actually going to play. So, you know, with that in mind, with that, the preface of this, what's Husker Nation thinking right now when you're talking with them, Chaz? You know, how do they think this season's going to go? We did two of these yesterday, these spaces. This is totally spontaneous trying stuff out. I, I mean, when I went to bed the night before, I had no plans to do it. It just, I thought when I saw the news in the morning, I said, uh, I wanted to kind of change the narrative or let people, if they need to talk about it, let's get it out. So we, because there's too much good to get distracted by. Here's what I can say. I think I, I, I can say for certain is there was very little energy to talk about the investigation stuff. Usually you think that people are attracted magnetically to whatever's the hot, the gossipy stuff. They just, they just want a lot of interest in it. I'm not talking about even an angry interest. They're just no interest in it. There was too much interest in, they want to talk Husker football. You know, they want to talk about the running backs and they want to talk about the wide receivers and the defense. And so that was really encouraging to me because I did two of these. Uh, one for two and a half hours in the morning, another one for two hours in the evening, a little over two hours in the evening. That part I can I can say with pretty strong certainty, the least the people that were zoned in with this, they're excited about Husker football. There weren't a lot of, um, 
I guess there's there's some that that saying, well, show me, but it's all none of it in a negative way. What was kind of cool was that we actually had some people coming. We had the was it in the morning one? I think it was the morning one. We had some Oklahoma folks come in and and jump in and and start talking about the Oklahoma and Nebraska game and how they're they miss down there. That game sold out in nothing flat, and mm-hmm. they they can't wait for Nebraska. They you'd think there was Nebraska was their second home. Talking yeah. to these people, uh, Husk yeah. guys, you know that Oklahoma game. This season starting up here. How tired are you of all the off-season rhetoric? How ready are you for the games to get kicked off in nine days? You know, I think now, especially when the news comes and goes, you sort of realize what happens. Um, Like it came out today that Michigan is being investigated for the exact same thing. And you wonder why that doesn't blow up for Michigan. And the reason is, and we are 100% guilty of it, is we freak out, right? The entire (laughs) fan base freaks out. We click and we retweet and like we are the most reactive fan base in a fishbowl of all time. And so I think that's, you know, people like Brett McMurphy, like go for that and they, they dial in. So, um, you know, I think we're all guilty of overreacting to it, but at the end of the day, I think it's super minor infraction. I think we're all pretty ready to, to move on. And I think, you know, as everybody keeps saying, you gotta beat Illinois. If you don't beat Illinois, this, this turns into a problem. If you beat Illinois, it's gone. I think the entire story is gone and it, and it turns into a minor infraction. So you know, I think you beat Illinois, you start five and one, we, uh, we're on our way, but we, we got to get to that point. Yeah. What's so interesting about the schedule is that it's the reason that so many people say we'll be lucky to get to six and six. And from my perspective, it's the reason why I think that we can go six and one, to be quite honest. But that first game, like you said there, Huskies is so important. Meg, you had a chance tonight. You were, and we're recording this on Thursday night. It's probably actually going to drop here over the weekend, but you had a chance to do uh, was it a Twitter space too with the big game boomer guy? We're best buddies on Twitter, he and us, uh, the Redcast. But uh, what did that go like tonight? Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of Nebraska fans, a lot of Oklahoma fans, but there mm-hmm. was some Aggie fans, some Texas fans, some Iowa fans, Iowa State fans. It was cool just to kind of see what everybody thought from across the college football world. And we spent about 10 minutes talking about how Nebraska isn't relevant, but we spent about 10 minutes talking about how Nebraska isn't relevant. So that's fun. Yeah, we've been written about how unrelevant we are by guys that write for the action sports news or whatever it's called. I don't know. I think it's when I think of like action news or whatever McMurphy works for, I, I have visions of the team from Anchorman, you know, like jumping up and high-fiving <laughs> each other. I just, I don't even know what that is. Jim, the last that uh, I've seen of you is right after the spring game got done. And we did a rapid reaction to, well, uh, an intra-squad scrimmage, because that's what we do in Nebraska. What has happened since that time, since the end of spring? What's happened in your mind that has changed maybe your thoughts or solidified your thoughts going into the season, where we're at depth chart-wise, all of that? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I think we talked about the running backs quite a bit in the spring. We, we had six, I think maybe even seven at that point. And we saw a lot of them play really well in that game, but we weren't sure how it was going to shake out. Uh, I told a friend of mine, I said, I really hope it comes down to these three. I said, I want to see Step, and I'm a huge Step fan. I've watched his career at USC pretty closely. I want to see Morrison, and I want to see the young kid, Irvin. That's what we have right now. So I'm excited about that. I think that's the three that give us a lot of uh, juice out of the gates. And it sounds like that's how it's going to shake out. So that's good. I'm a little concerned about the offensive line, to be honest with you. That, as you know, Chaz has run a, a good Twitter poll about uh, keys for next year. And I've been, I've been pretty adamant that for me, it comes down to the offensive line. I think there's a lot of things we need to fix, but if we can't get that offensive line cranking, we can't get the downhill running game going. You know, there's some injury concerns there with Corcoran, the uh, BTN crew, which whatever, I guess they, they have some insight there. There is some concern uh, a little bit on the interior line. So I think out of the gate, we, I want to see them uh, be better than last year. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but little concern there. But overall, I'm excited. I'm excited for the season, excited for, for this new look uh, offense, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Aside from uh, Huskies, the rest of us, we still are chugging some Kool-Aid and everything. But, but we're also going to occasionally have a little bit of uh, – you know, realism come into it, right? So as I go to you, Chris, (laughs) as I go to you, Chris, on this, what are some of the things that you're really high on coming into the season? What are some areas of concern 
uh, that you want to see get figured out here, especially in these first couple games? Uh, I just start off with highs, I guess. I think the defense is going to be good enough to win us a couple games, right? So just the defense alone. And especially I was looking at like just the two deep and like the secondary, I feel like almost all the guys in the secondary could probably, if the guy in front of them wasn't there this year, they could probably start. So I'm really excited about just our depth. I feel like Nebraska's lacked a lot in depth and that's kind of lost us a few games, I feel like in the past. So I'm really excited about our depth overall. On the offensive side of the ball, um, I think obviously that's probably where I'm most concerned just because we have, it's been like this every year, right? We have this guy and this guy and they're supposed to be great, but there's, it's just, there's so much unproven talent at this point. I mean, we return a couple guys with close to like a hundred receiving yards. So, I mean, it's just so much unproven talent on offense that that's kind of got me a little bit concerned, but I'm really excited to see what, you know, the, the Toure and uh, Betts, those guys on paper, they look great. So that's, what's got me a little bit concerned, but I think that, uh, I think that they'll find ways to to produce offense. It's got me excited that they're going to go under center more, maybe uh, embrace running the ball a little bit more. They got to find a way to score points. I think Nebraska was like dead last in the nation in second half points, or not in the nation, but in the Big Ten in second half points. There was just sometimes where we came out in the second half and we just we did nothing. There are no adjustments and and whatnot. So I, I think that, like I said, the defense is going to win us a few games. And if the offense can can figure out a way to get some of these playmakers the ball and get them in space and get them going, I think we'll be all right. I'm going to throw out a couple of the, I think, the issues that uh, we all pulled our hair out last year watching. And uh, anyone pipe up at any point if you think that we're going to be worse in one of these four areas. High snaps. I'm seeing a lot of shaking no of the head. No. Penalties. Are we going to be worse in penalties this season? See a couple of 50-50s. I don't know whether we're going to be worse. I don't know if we're going to be better. Okay. Turnovers. Better. I tend to think better. We'll be better in turnovers. Okay. Special teams. Not worse. We, we fired that analyst, so I think we're better. Those are four areas of concern to me that we've had for three years now. And if you picture the team that we have this year, which I think is the best roster, the best depth that Frost has had in his four years, he wanted a team when he first got here when we lost to Iowa. He wanted a team that was bigger and faster and stronger. And I look at this team, and they are bigger, faster, and stronger. They're deeper. How do you define being deeper? I, I look at the offensive line. I think of Teddy Prochaska. He's a top 100 offensive lineman. But he's the third straight one that we brought in. The first two were one snap away from having to play. Right now, Teddy Prochaska comes in here. He's been here since January. He's had a great offseason under his belt. Incredible future. And he's not cracking the two deep. So does that guarantee anything? No, I mean, we, we still have to snap the ball well. We still need to not jump off sides. We still need to not get targeting calls. We need to clean up the penalties. But you see all that improvement with the roster. So if the roster is better and we've cleaned up those areas, which are pretty much, when Frost says it's on us, we can't come out of a timeout like we did against Ohio State at the end of the first half and have a delay a game before we even snap the ball. I mean, totally avoidable on us kind of issues. The other team didn't cause it. Meg, you're shaking your head. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's just it, right? That's why it's been more frustrating than just losing because it hasn't been just losing. It's been in the way that we're close and we can see it and we see the talent getting better and we see certain things coming together and then it doesn't. So it's frustrating, but like you said, those four areas, I don't not see them getting better. We averaged almost 400 yards a game last year, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get into the end zone a few more times. Yeah, I mean, there's games that we've outyarded the opponent by several hundreds of yards and either just barely won it like Rutgers or Illinois two years ago or just flat out lost. I still think of the Wisconsin game two years ago. We had a hundred plus yard drive and didn't score. That's the dumbest stat, I think, in the history of college football. But, you know, that's kind of what happens when you make those mistakes, right? Tonight, I was listening to the Husker radio show, and they had Coach Frost on. And he was asked the question by one of the fans out there about uh, if you win the coin toss, do you take the kick? <laughs> and that's, I love Husker fans. Husker Nation, that's awesome that we are in, we're detailed like that. Chris, I'll go to you with this here. Frost answered that, uh, well, you know, if I think we can score right away, we'll take the kick. But he did go on to mention that, we are so much further along now in our kickoff game that they, we have guys that can boot the ball into the end zone. How different 
does that change the game? Just being able to, to fix that one piece of it. Yeah. I wasn't on there for very much, but I was actually on there when he was talking about that. It was an interesting question, but mm-hmm. just having the confidence to make that call and instead of just like, wow, we have no shot at even getting a, you know, a touchback here. So we're going to, we're just going to take the ball and just and go for it. I, I think that just those little things and, and building off that, just special teams in general, um, being more confident in your special teams and your punting and your, in your return game. I, I think that that does a lot for everyone. I specifically, I think punting the ball and um, receiving punts was just, it's been such a mess. Like there are some times where I, where I almost would have just had them rather not even put anyone back there and just go for an all out block. Cause it was just such a mess receiving punts sometimes. But I think the special teams in general, if they can just even slightly improve in that, it's going to, it's going to help the outcome of, of a few games for sure. Just to add to that, Chris, you know, I, I think we can all collectively on this, on this call, you know, think about when uh, Frost hired the analyst last year, uh, Jonathan Rutledge, and we all kind of just went, you know, we didn't feel comfortable about it, right? How is this going to work? How is this guy going to coach this and these entire units from the practice field without having interaction with the players? And, and I didn't feel comfortable about it. And, and certainly it didn't play out very well at all. I think when you hear Mike Dawson talk and you hear about the players talk about Dawson and the energy and the excitement and the want to be on these teams, you hear the DBs talk about, I want to be all in all the teams. Fisher wants us in all the teams. And so that alone, I, just the energy, I, you know, I, we make fun of Kurt Ferentz sometimes because he talks about special teams to start off his press conferences, but you see why it's, it's so critical. We lost the Iowa game in large part to a, uh, you know, a muffed punt from one of our best players in Cam Tamer Britt, it's huge. And so you asked the question before, is it going to get improved? I, I, you know, I tend to think so just because there's been so much focus and so much energy and excitement. You know, I think that's the first time I've ever heard that much excitement about special teams from the Frost players in his tenure. So I think that has to give us some confidence there. Just yeah. to add to that, you talked about the Iowa and the, and the muffed fumble that was special teams. Look at special teams the prior two years, lost by field goal, last second yeah. field goal, lost by last second field goal. Also all and long, long field goals. Yeah, yeah and it, in Iowa's case, they returned the one kickoff against us two years ago. Uh, we've had crankshaft uh, return two of them on different teams, you know, against us. So, I mean, it's it just gets to be pretty ridiculous, right? It, what I can tell you is, you know, I would go to the the coaches' clinics pre-COVID, and I would watch practice in two thousand, I guess eighteen, two thousand nineteen. And then I guess my only reference point is being able to watch the open uh, practice that they did this last spring, a couple of weeks before the spring game. And what I can tell you is the emphasis on special teams was more than noticeable. I know it's a dirty word to say analyst right now, but in addition to Dawson taking the coordinator role, having Bill Bush here as an analyst, defensive analyst, but also doing some special teams. I know he played some roles with working on uh, different depth charts, even in the spring, some things they'd never done before up to that point. And some of this may be very basic. There might be Iowa or Wisconsin or whatever fans listening to this show right now rolling their eyes saying, oh, my God, we've done this forever. Cool. Well, we're doing it now, too. And so I guess from my perspective, and I want, this is where I want to get, you know, it's time to get a little bit of arrogant for a second. So I can't think of anybody better than Husk guys. <laughs> we're going to figure this stuff out. We're, this can't continue. Like Some of the horrible mistakes have got to get better. And if they do, how good can this team be? I'm tired of hearing about, can we be good enough to get to a bowl game? If we actually fix these mistakes and we have the roster that we have, how good can this team be? This is great chatter because i think great banter um because it is i i think the players and the fans and everybody gets it so frost is five and 12 in one score games which is just awful and it's like the guy literally hasn't had a good bounce since he stepped foot on campus with games being canceled and covid and lord knows what else that's going on there this year though and I, i tweeted this a few weeks ago Vegas has us in seven one-score games. So that's it. That's going to make the season, right? So seven different one-score games, Illinois, Michigan State, Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa, all according to Vegas right now are going to be under, you know, decided by one touchdown essentially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you figure, so if like, if he hasn't had a single bad or good good bounce go his way, you get a couple of those rolling in the right way. Uh, The other thing we haven't had is a winning streak. He's never won three in a row. So you win three in a row and you start winning some close games. You start building some confidence. I just think that the wins will start coming. 
Um, and I think it really starts with Illinois. You start, you know, you beat Illinois, you start at three and L you head into Oklahoma and figure it out from there. But I, I really do think it's just these close losses that we're all talking about. You lose by one, you lose on a muff punt, you lose on missed field goals. You know, we, we lost almost all of 2019. So we didn't have a field goal kicker for God's sake. It's like, we, we have found the most asinine ways to lose these one score games. And you got to figure at some point the tide turns. And I think it's this year. The confidence part there, or the momentum, as, as Frost said in one of his uh, initial press conferences coming into the fall, we haven't had momentum. And there's a number of reasons that I, we've gone through three seasons, and two of them I can make a lot of excuses for. I mean, between COVID and the first season of transition, that second year, the year of hype, that was the year of being up 17 nothing against Colorado. We, that's on us. We lost that. We haven't had the opportunity to build that momentum which then I guess maybe leads me to the other little blow up of this week. Let's start talking about Nebraska, Oklahoma again, and how Nebraska is going to back out. And oh my gosh, it's just, I'm so tired of hearing about that. I think what Frost has said a hundred times, and I believe this, I think he wanted to write the schedule. It was a very strange schedule. And I think most could agree on this. When you only play one home game before October, I can't think of another season that's ever happened at Nebraska. When you have had a COVID year where you haven't been able to have recruits on campus for basically 12 months, and now you're only going to have one home game. When you are going to have a bye week in week one after a week zero game in Champaign, that doesn't make sense. So I think what Frost all along wanted to do was get a game up front early in the season for recruiting purposes, yes, for a third game before we play Oklahoma, and maybe, crazy as it sounds, to get a little momentum. Now, it all comes back to that first game, right? Jim, Illinois. I don't want to put too much on one game, but how much do you put on this one game? It's huge. I don't think you can say anything different than that. I, I think for all the reasons we talked about, I mean, you have a chance to, to go 3-0. and You saw what happened to Minnesota in 2019. They had a pretty easy non-con. They escaped miracle after miracle after miracle, but they built momentum and they built mm-hmm. a understanding of how to win close games and, uh, you know, carried on to 11 win season. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with us, but you can't underestimate how powerful momentum is. Anybody who's played on any sports team um, can attest to that, that feeling of we got this. And um, you know, you have a team that is laser focused right now and you know, they, they know what's at stake and you hear them talk. I mean, they know what's at stake and what this game means to them and means to the program means to their head coach. And so uh, it's huge. Can they still come back from it? Yeah, they can. It's a long season, but, you know, it's certainly going to be a little harder for sure. So it's massive. I don't think you can underestimate or understate how big it is for this team, especially right now. I mean, this is there's so much stuff going on, so much outside noise. But the beauty of sports is that you can rectify everything with your play on the field. You can go out there and get a W, like Hus guys was saying, and guess what? It takes care of itself. <laughs> all this stuff goes away and you can shut everybody up you can tell them i'll go to you know to shove it with winning and and that's the beauty of it you go three and oh you're feeling really good about yourself you go in oklahoma who by the way plays two non-conference non-power five teams they won't have played in illinois like we have played they won't have played a, a team with the line that we have played i'm not saying we're gonna win that game but i'm saying i, I like the fact we've been a little bit more of the fire than they have at that point in the season. So I think it's huge. Jim, I keep following up on you. You, you do this on Twitter too. You feed something. I said, Ooh, that, that, that spurs something. You're talking about how um, the momentum and, and not underestimating the power of winning those close games and believing and all that. You know what thought came to my mind? Any of you guys golf? Any of you listeners out there? Any of you ever golfed and you're standing over putt, say it's, eight feet, or maybe it's five feet, or maybe it's three feet. I don't even have to finish this. You already know where I'm going with this. It's so different when you see it. Have you ever had it where you can just, you're lining it up and you can absolutely see that ball. It can be 20 feet away. And if you see it in your mind, you sit up, put it, and it goes in every doggone time. The thing that frustrates me so much about golf uh, but if you, it's a four foot putt and you're striking, thinking, I don't feel good. Right, it's got to be this. And if you just feel uncertain, and sure enough, you leave it short, you pull it to the left. The difference, it's all up here in the mind. And mm-hmm. if you see it, 
how that changes your performance. And I don't know why that is, but it does. The part I hate is when the alligator mouth comes down and I can't get the ball in there. I'll try it three or four times and every time. Get in the hole. That's what I got to thinking about. Yeah, I think what ails Nebraska right now is not physical. It's not the players anymore, right? It, it's all in their mind. It's all, it's all something that they can fix. It's fixable. I think that's the exciting thing is that the things you mentioned, Honky, off the top of the show, these are all fixable things. Um, Frost has recruited you know, better than any other team in the West, maybe outside of Wisconsin just recently. The players are there. The line is developed. Both sides of the line are developed, especially the defensive line. So those are recipes that win in the Big Ten. And, uh, and now it's, to your point, Chaz, it's, it's mental. They have to be able to, to close those gaps. I mean, I, you guys heard Lubick yesterday. He talked about finding that running back that at third and one game on the line, last drive of the game, who is that? I mean, I thought it was a great point he made is, gosh, who, you know, who is that? But you, you really have to think in those terms, like, we have to win this game. Who's getting the rock? Smarky step, of course, but <laughs> it's an important question to ask because it's it's coming down to you've got a chance. Like I think Husk guys mentioned, there's five and twelve in one score games. I mean, it's there. There's seven games this year that are one score games that are pick 'em games in terms of who's going to win. You got to find that that mental edge to be able to finish those drives and and uh, and finish those wins. I'd like to hear you guys talk about the mental part too because. When I talked about, I put a stat out a few weeks ago, three and 20, the Huskers are three and 20 in games. They trail once they fall behind under Scott Frost, they've really struggled to come back. I, so I've kind of come to the conclusion that the mantra, and I know he's not sloganeering has been finish. You've heard me saying that for three years now, finish drives, finish games, finish off opponents when you got them down, finish. And the other is come back, fight back. When Mm -hmm. something bad happens, fight back. And those aren't about talent. Those aren't about strength and conditioning. Those aren't about um, passion or ability. It's about mental resolve and clarity and focus and uh, getting the job done when the chips are down. I think that's something we watched the baseball team do this year. That was really cool for everybody to see because nobody went into the season with any expectations. And we all just kind of said, oh, this is kind of a fun team to watch. And then all of a sudden they just kept winning because they were mentally tough. They mm-hmm. could come back. They could beat teams they weren't supposed to beat because they just had it in them. And I think the football team needs to adopt that same mantra. Good, good, good. Adversity and Coach Osborne would always talk about it. When you're three and 20 in those games that you're talking about, Chaz, when you're five and 12 Huskies in those close games, adversity comes up and bites you at some point. The excuses, I I said, I can excuse away a lot of things for the last three years for a lot of reasons, but those excuses eventually go away. And for me, they have. So what happened this week with uh, the allegations and all that stuff? You know what? That doesn't change anything for me. And if it changes anything for this team, that's a problem with the team. It shouldn't. There's too many examples. Iowa had all kinds of adversity last year coming right up to the season. The way you get over that is you win. Ohio State a couple of years ago was Zach Smith and all that stuff going on. The way you get over that is you win. Uh, I think the greatest team in the history of Nebraska football in 1995 had a lot of pressure for people that weren't around or following Huskers at that time. There was plenty of pressure. I could only imagine what the Twitter world would have been like at that time. And yet that team got stronger and the adversity helped drive them to be better. Look, I can be as loud as I want on Twitter. I'm not going to shut anybody up. The thing that's going to shut people up is winning games, getting the scoreboard. And Meg, like you said, with baseball there, it started to shut people up. They weren't a top five team before the season, but they were a number one team at the end of it. I, I want to pile on that too, because I think what, what really struck me about the baseball season, I like where you're going with that, man, because they had, they had that guy, like Spencer Schwellenbach. When you got a guy that is willing the team to win every game, like that guy put the team on his shoulders over and over and over again. It's just like, give me the ball. I'm going to make us win. I, I think that has to be Adrian. You know, and I think he's got it. That's where I feel good. And I feel everybody's gives Adrian so much. Like I'm the biggest Adrian defender out there. You got a four-year starter. The guy has started in every single game that we played. He's learned so much. He's a senior leader. And I think he's got the potential to put the team on his back and fight. Like the way that Spencer did all throughout that entire, uh, you know, their, their entire run. And I think you've got Cam Taylor-Britt. You've got Bowman. You've got Stilly. You've got a lot of guys that I think can will the team to win. 
that we just haven't in years past for whatever reason. And so I, I, that to me is going to be huge as if, you know, I think Adrian can win every one of these games. He can put these, the team on his back. He finally has the weapons. He's finally got some wide receivers and finally has the size out of the wide receiver that he can throw to. So uh, all of those things, I think if he can truly turn in that first round type performance this year, I think the sky's the limit and that it's going to start with those senior leaders. Yeah. So I want to build off that too. Like I was, that's the one thing I was going to say is like leadership, right? I, We've had leaders in the past, but I think they've got a couple of really solid leaders. I listened to Austin Allen talk the other day. Man, some of the the words that he was saying is just like, like he gets it. And if we can have a guy like that in the locker room guiding um, these younger guys, I think that's where it's going to really start to to turn also. You know, the coaches can do a lot for you, but when a guy that you, a teammate that you really respect, you know, looks you in the eyes and says, you know, hey, you made a bad play. We, we got the rest of the game. You got to pick it up. We got to, we got to finish this thing. I, I think just not letting those mistakes snowball and snowball. And we, we've seen it so many times we're doing well. And then there's the fumble. There it is. And just the air is gone. Just goes the other way. You know what? We're going to fumble the ball sometimes and we're going to lose them, but it's not the end of the game. And to have that leadership and that mentality of that strong mentality to push past this, we'll figure it out. That'll help a lot. Yeah, you know, we talked on the, the Redcast with Brett Siancia at Pick 6 Previews coming into the season, and that same leadership and that same mental toughness that a team needs to be good from play to play throughout a game, it also lasts with you from game to game. We went through the first couple games of the season, and, and, and hey, you know, it's honky throwing it out. We're going to be 3-0, and right? We're 3-0 and going to Oklahoma, and honestly, we get blown out. We play them close. We win the game. I don't know what, what the answer is, but you get through that game, the most important game becomes Michigan State. And he said the words, he goes, don't let Oklahoma beat you twice. If they beat you on the field, don't let them beat you twice the next week. You should beat Michigan State. I'll go further. If we beat Oklahoma, don't let that beat you the next week by being so overconfident that you can't come back. Why did we lose to Illinois last year a week after beating Penn State? What cockiness could you possibly be being at one and two? But boy, we picked a great time to come out and play the worst game I've seen us play, probably under Frost considering where we were at in our development. Now, I saw something on Twitter where, you know, somebody said, hey, we're going to win the game. And he goes, you know, didn't you see last year's score? And I, I reminded him that us Husker fans are told not to live in the past. So, no, I don't remember last year's game. But having said that, to your point, Huskies, Martinez has had an amazing career against uh, Illinois. His freshman year, outstanding. I was at the game two years ago in Champaign, and we put up 700 yards on those guys. We just kept fumbling the ball and, and making every mistake that we could make and throwing the ball to five, seven receivers who were getting destroyed by their Tampa two guys. Some things have changed there, but last year we did put out McCaffrey. We started with the, the, the backwards pass. That was fun. We would have beaten Illinois with Adrian last year. I agree. I agree. hundred percent, hundred thousand percent. disaster. You posted the video today, Chaz, of our one score at the end with Martinez, you know, in his one drive, taking us down the field. You know, look, we can relitigate all of last season if we want, and I don't really want to get into that. But um, I think Frost, it was part of a process in a way. 2020 is an interesting season for me because people can look at it as it's a lost year. Why, why did we fight to play it? Or why did we fight to play it to go three and five? Wow, what, you stink, Nebraska. Well, guess what? If we're good this year, and I think we're going to be, that 2020 season's really important. Did we figure out some things about special teams through that season? Did we learn the value of having a big back and not trotting out Wandell like we did in the last game against Rutgers? And he scored a couple touchdowns, but he got murdered on him. I mean, just absolutely murdered. And I think Frost, if it took him that extra year, whatever it is, I love the roster that we have right now. And they've said every, unless they're the best liars in the world, they have said everything I've wanted to hear all off season about what to fix. The amount of times they've talked about special teams, the amount of time they have focused on turnovers, when Frost talked about the second and third teams in practice getting penalties, and we've got to clean that up. The first teams have pretty much cleaned it up, but the second and third teams haven't, and that's not acceptable. If you're not playing clean football in Nebraska, that's not acceptable here. And the high snaps, that's pretty much a thing in the past. You don't shoot yourself in the foot. You play good football. I hear Big Ten people say that's Big Ten football. I say that's Nebraska football. We did that long before we ever joined this conference. And when you're not playing that, you're, you're playing losing football. I don't care what conference you're in. Drop. <laughs> preach. Preach it. Where do we want to go from this? Um, Chris, I think you talked a little bit earlier about some physical football. And uh, I saw something on a, a BTN video that, that got me really excited. Shocking. 
we were in practice doing goal line and we broke huddle. I've said this before a couple of times on the show over the, the last three years. It's not anti spread or, or tempo to, you can still get into a huddle every once in a while. We broke huddle. We got under center. We had a left tight end who is a backup tackle from Aurora. Uh, so we had an unbalanced line. We had Yant. Uh, I don't recall him playing much last year. So he's a new face in the backfield at 250 pounds. We had step Jim, you've been pretty high on him. We didn't have him the last time we went out against uh, Rutgers. That's about 500 pounds of backs in the backfield. And we handed the ball off the middle. That's a way to start to finish some of those drives. You see that kind of physicality, Chris. Does that give you hope that some of the, what we've heard in the past few years, that, that we're going to get to this point, this physicality, when you're seeing that, do you believe it? Do you buy in? Is that going to happen? Are we going to see a touchdown like that right off the bat against Illinois? And absolutely. I mean, Yan, Yan is huge. And I'm with Jim. I'm a big step guy. I, I think that step will take the first carry this year. Um, but yeah, when the physicality and, and going under center, I mean, how many times have you seen us? It's, it's third and one and we need it, right? Adrian's in shotgun and we're just like, oh, sweet Jesus. Like, what are we doing here? What's going to happen? You know, line them up and say, I'm bigger and more nasty than you. And I'm going to push you back five yards. And that's all you got. And that's all you need to do. And they need to, Nebraska needs to be able to do that. And if that happens to you as a defense once, twice, three times on a drive, that's just demoralizing. It's tiring. And I mean, it's just something that an offense mm-hmm. like Nebraska, I, I think this year is better geared for, better prepared for. There's just so many times with, with offense that we just had like one or two things that we were able to do, right? It was, it was a shotgun, Martinez QB draw, or it was Wandale in some, in some respect. And in some regard, you almost have to think that Wandale was our best wide receiver and running back. And I mean, I think you got to have that number one running back and then a couple of solid wide receivers that just do their job. You, like you alluded to earlier, Honky, handing off to Wandale up the middle. I mean, I remember one drive, I don't know who we were playing and maybe one of you guys can chime in, but it was, it was like three handoffs to Wandale right up the middle. And we were inside the 25 yard line. And it was just, that's kind of all we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think having that bigger power and um, just being able to go downhill is, is something they've been lacking and something they're better geared for this year. Yeah. You know, it's a misnomer when you hear Husker fans say, we just need to run the ball. Uh, we were fourth in the conference three years ago in rushing. We were third in the conference two years ago in rushing. We were second in the conference a year ago in rushing. Uh, it's not a lack of yards necessarily, or even a lack of emphasis on the run. The problem is, is that we were seven games in the season last year, and our top three rushers going into that Rutgers game weren't running backs, two quarterbacks and a, and a wide receiver. The running back, I think you know Mills was a, a solid running back for us, but he just wasn't counted on enough. It's one of the things where I shake my head right now and go, how all of a sudden did – the last time we we were out there on the field, Wandell was number two. And now we have six backs that, you know, I think are going to, they're capable guys of, of going out there and playing. Now, some of them are new guys. Other guys are just, now they've been in the, the system for a year. And I think that helps out. But uh, no matter what it is, it's about taking some of that pressure off of Martinez being the guy. I've told you, I've, I've gone to a couple of those coaches clinics. I had a nice half hour conversation at one of them with uh, Mario Verduzco. Meg, uh, on the Popping Kernels podcast, your first one, you had Mario on it, the QB's coach. And I think, Husk guys, you referenced, you know, that you're, you're pretty high on Martinez this year. You know, what just did you get, Meg, when you're talking with Verduzco? Do you see any, that twinkle in his eye, anything? What's his thoughts right now on that QB room, starting with the, the fourth-year starter, but also, you know, we've got some newbies behind him. I think Mario has a permanent twinkle in his eye. He just <laughs> is that kind of guy. Yeah, he's really excited about Adrian. I think we all are. I think we can see what we all know he can be. We've seen it. And it scares me to kind of think about just the lack of experience behind him. Like, I'm like, I get anxious just being like, oh, my God, like, what if something happened to him? You you need to edit that out because we can't put that out there in the universe. Um, (laughs) But no, I think he's very confident. I think Adrian is more confident than he maybe has ever been that kind of just goes back to mental toughness, right? So if you go out there and you say, I can do this. And I think this might be the first year that he's really felt like that. Even as a freshman, I wonder he was just doing it. Maybe he didn't even completely believe in himself, but now I really think he does. So I think it'll be cool to see. And behind him, 
with Harbaugh and Smothers, I mean, I think they both have a ton of potential. It's just going to come down to who separates themselves. I think to, to build on that too, I think the biggest variable of this entire season is, is what Omar Manning does. I, I really just think no one has any idea what he is capable of, what he's going to do. You know, we don't, everybody's so kind of burned from last year, but as the resident Omar Manning expert who has watched every single play that's ever been run by him across every form of the internet, I can tell you he's the best player on the field if he plays. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and, and Frost even said tonight, he said he, he's a completely different guy from last season. He said, I think he can expect him to make some plays. So him plus Ture, like, you know, you look at Adrian, he's never thrown to an NFL wide receiver. Stanley Morgan's the closest guy that was an NFL wide receiver. Didn't get drafted. J.D. Spielman is, you know, out of out of league, kind of I know, like Cade Warner. I mean, look at the guys he's been throwing to. You finally give him a dude. Man, I just I, that that's what gets me excited. It's the biggest variable of all time because Omar could not play a single snap. We have no idea. You realize he's gonna be thrown to three NFL dudes. He's got three future NFLers right now. Oliver I, Martin, I, who's the other one? Okolak. Oh, I'm not talking about not. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not being very clear. Uh, got Manning, Betts, and Toure. All three of those guys are gonna be in the NFL. You just watch mm-hmm. Betts as long as he's that is assuming stays healthy. Yeah, I, I would kind of what to Meg said, and as well as Husk guys with Martinez a little bit. So I would challenge you guys, go, and I talked to Honky about this too, go back and watch Martinez freshman year and specifically his sophomore year. Watch his mechanics compared to the spring game and the videos you see now. He's throwing differently. I'm absolutely convinced. In fact, Sam McEwen the other day mentioned this in a question to Frost or somebody his mechanics are are definitely changed, and I, I think you have to credit Martinez for obviously changing his body, Verduzco. Um, but I wasn't crazy about his mechanics coming in as a freshman. I thought he was a little he, – he would, like, drop his front foot and kind of aim the ball a little bit. Um, I know I'm getting kind of technical, but his fluidity now with his throws is, is like night and day from where it was before. And I, I think that, that gives him a ton of confidence. And you, you hear Martinez talk now on his own podcast or, or to the media, you hear a guy that is not only more mature, I think he came in as a 17 year old, right? He's been through a ton of stuff and he's now at this point in his life where he's had a ton of experience. He's beat some teams. He's played well, but he feels good about himself physically and he's thrown the ball really well. He's got some dudes he's throwing to now. Like, like you mentioned, Chaz, you can tell just the way why his demeanor, he is, He's like, he swallowed a canary and you can't wait to show people he's got a canary in his mouth and he's ready to go. <laughs> and yeah, I hope he stays healthy for sure because I think he's in for a huge season. Chaz, you mentioned about the receivers and we'll see if they go pro or not. Obviously, they've got to prove it on the field. But I can tell you this, talking with Sipple a couple of years ago, right after the 2019 year of hype, he had mentioned how Frost brought him in in November of that year and wanted to show him a little bit of film. And he told us, he goes, I don't think Frost would mind us saying that. He goes, he was looking at the wide receivers and Frost was just saying, they're not getting it done. They're not hitting certain points. They're not blocking on these plays. There's just a number of things they weren't getting done with. And to no one's surprise, two months later, the wide receiver coach, Walters, who also happened to be the offensive coordinator, he he was no longer here, right? They were going to make a fundamental change at the coaching, but also look at the position and the style, the type of players they had. At that time, Noah, it was JD and, you know, Wandell, a young Wandell. When we interviewed uh, Brett Siancia, pick six at the beginning of this year, he has our wide receiver and tight end core number 11 in the conference preseason because he's like, look at all this talent that left. He rattled off a bunch of four-star wide receivers that left, Fleming and all those guys. And it's not that I like to see talent leave the room, but the fundamental change of how they have gone after size at that position is just night and day difference. Arbitrary Analytics on Twitter had a thing where they posted and they said, There have been five teams in the Big Ten over the last, whatever, five years or 10 years that have had six, three or taller average wide receiver cores. And they've all, they average like 9.4 wins per team. There's a couple of Michigan ones, a Michigan State and a Minnesota team in there. When you look at what we have right now, and and they're including wide receiver and tight end, how they have changed that room, it's unbelievable. We've gone from being the shortest wide receiver core in the country two years ago to right now, we might be the tallest. You look at Betts, I mean, he's coming off the bench probably at six foot two, six three. Six three is Torrey, who's replacing Wandell basically in that slot position. 
You look at uh, Manning at six foot four, even like White Lever's six three, six four. Falk is six two. I mean, these they're just bigger across the board. All it means is that those are better bodies to work with, but you got to go and get it done. If Omar Manning drops the 40 yard pass down the middle, like he did in the spring game, you need to pull him. You need to put him on the sideline and you need to put Xavier out there at that time. That's the thing that depth provides you. When guys make mistakes, there have to be consequences. You can go back to the Osborne era. If somebody made a mistake, if a running back put the ball on the ground, they were taken out. You go to that Orange Bowl against Miami, and there's two quarterbacks that played for us, Brooke and Tommy. What took them out of the game in both cases? An interception. You throw one interception, you're on the sideline. It didn't matter who you were. There are consequences when you make bad plays. If we have bad snaps, and I love Cam. I love Jerkins. I think he can be all everything. If snaps are going all over the place again, I don't think they will, but if they are, there have to be consequences. Depth provides that. Depth allows you to pull guys and put guys in. You know, Hockey, you, you somehow, in some way, you're going to have to break out of your shell. <laughs> That's what the guys tell me all the time. <laughs> Get a little passion. Yeah, I, I think on that point, though, there was um, Sipple and – it was either Sipple or McEwen who, who had said – essentially went through exactly what you're saying where frost has been humbled quite a bit here and you know he came in he thought the ucf model would work here he thought the oregon model would work here we have the anthony thomas on the outside or super fast short speedy guy that you can throw to and it just hasn't been i think he's not getting the athletes he thought he was going to get that uh, you know could be those game changers and so he's adjusting he's you know he's innovating his own offense and he's trying to adjust which you know, I, I guess from my vantage point, I hope we give him the opportunity to do that. I think we're seeing exactly what you're saying. He's adding size. Mm-hmm. He's adding size across the line, offensive line, defensive line, all of it. I think he's realizing what it needs to happen, and it's going to take time. He's a young coach. He's only 45, I think. So I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's what kills me about why we're like we just attack our own in like this last week, where it's just like people are out for blood to get him. And you're like, the guy needs some time to figure it out. And like, if you're not going to give him the time, who are we going to give the time to? Who was it that said? Husker fans will eat their own. Was it Callahan? It's 100% accurate and scary. You know, we've said it with Osborne. He was here for 25 years. And I think, you know, I talked with Mike Babcock, kind of the historian of of Husker football. And he referenced how, you know, some people think that it was just this glorious 25 years, just the straight trajectory up to 60 and three in his last five years and three national titles. It's not how it was. Uh, to your point, Husk guys, he started off, he was the the passing guru of college football in the 70s. You know, with Hum and Ferragamo, we're throwing the ball all over the place, 300-yard games. That did it for most. We beat nine, 10 games a year, but we're not beat that wishbone of Oklahoma. So he adjusts. He brings in Turner Gill. He goes to the triple option. We start winning some of those games, but then you're losing bowl games to Miami and Florida. People said we need to, to pass the ball like Miami throws. And he said, no, we need to play defense like Miami plays defense. We switched to the 4-3. You continue to progress. Now, the one thing that Osborne did along the way, and this is it's a give and take here, Osborne would win you the nine games, which gave him the time to continue to make those progressions. At some point, whether we win the Big Ten, like, like Honky thinks, <laughs> whether we, we make it to the college playoff, like I think we can do it right now, right? Whether that happens or not, you have to give enough back to the fans to buy you that time. So fans need to, to chill at times. We need to be patient on our side. I think we have been patient too. Mac would slap me if I said, be patient fans, because he's like, we've been patient. What doesn't work is to keep making changes every four years. So Frost needs, we need the wins. We need a bowl game. It's non-negotiable this year. That, that has to happen. We have to clean up mistakes. That has to happen. But we also need to not be starting over from scratch. I think, you know, you look at the, the evolution, right? And Husk guys, you're right. I mean, I was thinking about the guys he brought in you know, Miles Jones, right? And I was even like, Miles Jones, he's a four-star, but he's like 160 pounds. Is he going to be able to cut it in the Big Ten? Well, he didn't, right? And so you see the evolution that he's brought in these bigger guys. Torre mentioned playing in the slot, and he mentioned something very, very um, interesting. He said, I'll be able to block outside linebackers better than the previous guy, Rondell Robinson, right? So you guys mentioned honky, Paul right receivers, that helps in the blocking, the perimeter blocking on the outside to get those you know, five-yard gains become eight, nine, ten-yard gains on those run plays. If you guys mm-hmm. remember, you remember Oregon football, I mean, the perimeter blocking by the wide receivers was paramount to their run games mm-hmm. for Jim Kelly to get those uh, get those running backs, those, those big yards. So I think Frost has made a lot of different changes in the offseason, 
is just look kind of at himself and figure out where he can get better. But I think the biggest step for him is giving the uh, play calling to Matt Lubick. That is huge. Um, it allows him to be more of a head coach, yep. right? It allows him to turn over his biggest baby, right? He he is the OC. He's the guy that was the, the, the Broyles Award winner at Oregon, the guy who's scoring tons of points. He's given that to somebody else now. I think it takes a lot. You look at the games last year, the game he handed the coordinator position over to the play call over to Matt Lubick was Purdue. Look at that Purdue game. You saw a bunch of uh, – uh, tight end play, right, with um, with Allen and Dietrich Mills, a downhill run game. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged that he's he's able to say, you know what, let's have you take this over and you take it and see where you want to go with it, and I'll support you, Lubick. I'm going to be focusing more on the head coaching position and making sure that I'm I'm involved in everything, right? I'm involved in special teams. I'm involved in the defense. I trust you, Matt, to make the right calls on offense. And I, I think that's a big step for a young head coach like, like uh, Husk guys mentioned, who's, you know, 46. Jan- January 4th. <laughs> By the way, uh, this has come a couple times when you bring up uh, Diedrich Mills, he was injured. He did not play against Illinois last year. And Ronald Tompkins was also out for that game. So just a little something to throw in there as we're thinking about uh, what's going to be different this year, if anything, facing uh, Illinois. So let's go ahead and talk about the Illinois game for a second, if you don't mind. I, I think you know, I've heard a lot of talk about, and it's obvious, right? We don't know what they're going to do on offense or defense. Um, and how do you prepare for that? I think conversely, an interesting part of this game is that I think we're going to come out with some new stuff offensively that they haven't seen before. They haven't seen Marquis Step. They haven't seen Sevian Morrison. They haven't seen Gabe Urban. They haven't seen Torre. They haven't seen Omar Manning. They haven't seen all these guys. And you've got a downhill run game, potentially, we hope, right? And it sounds like that. I think the brass is going to roll some stuff out there that nobody's seen, um, especially Illinois. So it's going to be kind of a fun chess match, I think, out of the gate. We didn't throw the ball downfield once all season. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a new thing for you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Lubick, the tight ends have talked about how they took a lot of the same plays that they've done in the past, but they've switched up the order of, you know, now the tight ends, the number one read on it. That's ways that they've gotten them kind of forced them get more involved in certain plays is, to, is just even to change how the QB is looking on a play. So it's not about starting over from scratch. It's it's about making tweaks and, and altering some things. There's also a part of football, and I keep bringing this guy up, but he was kind of decent here. Osborne, he once called football, he goes, it's a Spartan game. Sometimes it's just, it's about being physical and you just, you pound people. Even though we've narrowed how much you can hit guys in football compared to 25 years ago, it's still a physical contact sport. This team played its worst game against these guys last year. There has to be an element of like, not just stop being scared to make mistakes. Don't you want to kill these guys? If there's one team on the schedule, just based on how you played last year, if I'm coaching right now, if I'm playing on this team, why wouldn't I want to go out and absolutely take it to these guys on national television? You are the game of the, of the weekend. Basically you're going to have all the eyes on you. Why wouldn't you want to be, and by the way, to shut everybody else up, you have the greatest platform in the world to do it, better than any podcast or NIL could give you. You can go out there on ABC or whatever it is, Action News Channel, and you can just destroy the team that did that to you a year ago. Man, if any player, if one player is listening to this, I mean, absolutely go out there and take it out on them. Did you guys hear uh, Doman's podcast this week? He said, I'm going to watch that game from last year by myself to get fired up. Mm. <laughs> You said that the team is, to your point, Honky, the team is, uh, this is the game they want for a lot of reasons. What we talked about, obviously, it's an important game, but don't forget the players that played in that game and got humiliated. They had two backs go for 100 yards against that defense, right? That defense was absolutely humiliated that day, right? And we, yeah, we could have held some better players offensively. It would have helped offensively, but that team got whooped up front on both sides of the ball all game long. You can't tell me if I played sports. I played basketball. That stuff matters, right? Mm-hmm. If someone whoops your whips your butt, um, you have a chance to come back at them next year. <laughs> it's on, right? You can't wait for that day. And I, I can imagine it's the same way for these players. And hearing Doman talk about that, you could you could tell it wasn't just him. I mean, th- this team is they want these guys, and That's they awesome. know they're tough, and they know that, that they hit mm-hmm. hard, and they want they want all that. Yep. They want every piece of that, and they want to go in there to a hostile new coach, 
new packed out stadium. Um, Brett Bielan, you know, homecoming back to Illinois. They want every piece of that. And this whole team wants it. And I can't yep. wait. Yep. It's not a disrespect of Illinois. It is. No, we respect them respect. and go out there and give them your absolute best game. This team can rattle off that, that they have 22 super seniors. You heard Frost say it tonight. You hear the players say it tonight. This team, when, when Brett Bielema came, they did not transfer out. Those guys stuck around. Um, they want to play for this coach. And mm-hmm. Nebraska knows that they've got some, they've got some talent returning. we got some talent returning as well. Um, they know what it felt like on that field last year. The beauty of sports, man, you, you can come back and lay on the field and lay, you know, lay it out there and get after it. And this team's ready. You can tell they're ready. Brandon Peters is still their quarterback, right? Yeah. Yes. He had a great game against us last year. Probably his, his best game best against game. us. Yep. Yeah, he has the best game. He's playing in a new offense now. He'll play in a more of a, a pistol. If you watch Appalachian State from last year, that's probably what they're going to be running. I think they're going to run the ball with him a little bit too. I think if you watch his, his first game against Illinois, I'm sorry, against Wisconsin last year, they ran him quite a bit with success. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that again in this game with little zone read. It'd be kind of interesting to see what happens. You think I'm, I get a little fired up on this? I, I went down to Oklahoma in 2008, first year of Pelini. Uh, we were down 35 nothing, I think, in the first quarter. And uh, just, you know, got destroyed, right? And we get done with the game, and that's the night that Texas Tech and Texas are playing, and Crabtree catches that one touchdown pass, and, and, and all that is going on. And so we're tailgating with these Oklahoma fans who – you know, had more interest in what was going on in Lubbock than really what they had going on in Norman. But they just destroyed us, and and they were being very nice. They were almost condescendingly nice, like, you know, you guys are going to get good again. And, I mean, you want to get under my skin there. It was like, I know we're going to be good. We're going to beat you guys next year. And they're like, <laughs> they're like slow your roll. 2009, the next season, held in 10-3. to uh, It was the first game in the Stoops era. They didn't score a touchdown pass or touchdown at all, I mean. My point behind that is when people say what can change from one year or it's just one season, how could you be so much better? This is college football. Things can change dramatically from one year to the next. And one thing, this team needs some momentum. It also could use some luck. We're concerned about a QB being injured, but how about he doesn't get hurt? How about we make it through a whole year with a QB not hurt? That is something we haven't seen in a while. But the good teams somehow tend to kind of keep those guys upright. Uh, Alabama has missed the playoff one time and it happened to be a year they lost their quarterback. Losing your quarterback stinks. I've heard too many people talk about they're so confident in their backup quarterback. There are reasons they're backups. I hope we don't get down to that. I love the fact we have a fourth year starter there. The pieces are there to me. I think that there are no pre-built excuses and I'm not giving any, there's, there's no new excuses from the craziness of a day or two ago. Nothing. Trev Alberts, I'm, I'm ecstatic with him at, at AD. I thought he handled yesterday perfect. I thought he stood up for his coach. I thought he was right next to him during it. That showed a lot of leadership. He said on day one, I'm here to build trust with these people. And I think yesterday he took a big step to building that trust with one of his coaches. This is a team sport. And man, when Nebraska, when it's churning at the top, when, it's, when those leaders are working together, when Husker Nation is behind it, when there's not the fractions in the divisions, that's why I wanted to bring this group together tonight. When we're not divided internally, man, this thing is, the, it's a hell of a ride. It's so much fun. I think social media sort of destroys a lot of this. And I would, I would bet that, I don't want to say 90 plus percent are moving in the right direction on this. And then like the really vocal minority, you hear a lot more of them because of social media and everything else. And mm-hmm. I mean, you go back over the years and you were kind of alluding to this hockey, like even, even when we we're the best team in the country, you had the Lawrence Phillips drama, you had Christian Peter drama, you had some like, crazy crazy stuff going on in the 90s that like was dividing the fan base even on an undefeated team so i feel like that's always going to be there we're just particularly sensitive to it because we haven't been that good but mm. you know win- winning solves most all of it i think winning puts it from like 90 percent of the fan base behind frost to like 95 <laughs> love it well let's talk about winning next week we're going to beat illinois i'm going to go around the room here what's everyone's illinois plans what are you going to be doing for the game Chaz, I'll start with you. Uh, where, what are you doing on August 28th? This chair right here. <laughs> that screen. Um, be watching it with uh, Jeanette and Brian. Uh, we'll all have our Husker gear on. We'll have our Husker flag out. And uh, we're going to watch Nebraska run and run and run and pass and run <laughs> and run. They're going to run the ball. I love it. I love it. 
Chris, are you a Phoenix guy? Yeah, yeah, I'm down here in Phoenix. So that's what I'll, I'll be down here for the game um, right here in the man cave, posted up. And uh, see, I'll be back for the Michigan game this year. So when I'm back from Michigan, I got I to gotta meet up with some of you guys for a beer or something. But um, I'll be here for Illinois. Super excited. I can't believe it's in seven days. That's just surreal. Um, so excited to wake up and just see the Huskers on TV. Uh, I think that uh, they come out physical fast. Um, they play clean. And uh, as far as my prediction, I, I think we win by I think we win by 14. So I'm probably going to be around like 35 to 17. All right. Jim in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm going to be posted up here in, uh, in Minnesota watching the game over here. So, you know, I'm excited to see Nebraska come out, like Chris said, and run the ball. And I wouldn't be surprised, too, if we get some momentum running the ball, then for Nebraska to go fast. You look at Illinois' defense, they're playing a 3-4. They've got, you know, the transitioning uh, defensive ends to outside linebackers. And I, I think if Nebraska can get them – you know, on their heels a little bit, I think you're going to see Frost go tempo with a fourth-year quarterback, an offense that, that is ready to go. And I'm looking forward to to uh, to a win. I think they're going to come out with a win, and I think it's um, – I'm not really pre- ready to predict an actual score. Um, I'll be happy with the win. I think that gets us going for the next next game and hopefully 3-0. and Us guys. Yeah, I think – you know, I'm obviously predicting a win. Um, but I think uh, what I'm optimistic for is I think we go back to that 2018 win where we put up 50 plus. I, I do. I think, you know, just being at the first game of the season, we'll probably give up some points. I think, like we said, Illinois brings back a ton of good players, you know, and they've got senior laden team. Um, so they put up 35 against us the last three years. I'm not going to say that's not going to happen, but I do think we put up 50 plus. So I think it'll be a statement game in that regard that we put up 400 plus uh, offense and, and 50 plus points. So I think it'll be fun. And the last one here, Meg, I, I think I might even have a chance to see you next weekend. Uh, you're going to be uh, making a little travel east, right? Yep. Um, kind of last minute, I said, we should probably go to Champaign. I mean, <laughs> we're not doing anything else, so I feel like I should probably be there. So, yeah, I'm going to drink some Bush Light and Champagne, and I'm going to be as excited as Garrett Nelson. Oh, that's that's saying a lot, too. Man. I, I know. <laughs> Uh, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm going to go around the room one more time. We're going to do parting shots. That's the tradition on the Redcast. I'll throw my parting shot out first. And it is the, it's the cheesiest thing I've probably done since I was 13. But uh, I sent an email from the Redcast inbox to Scott Frost, or at least to his assistant, I guess. I'm sure that that's the person who saw it. And I have no idea if it'll ever get to him. But it was simply, it was a rah-rah email. I sent it to him the, two days ago. And it was just Hey, we're behind you. Husker Nation is behind you. The people we interact with are behind you. And just want you to know that. That's it. Simple as that. You know what? Anyone listening, flood their in- inbox with nothing but good, positive vibes. Let them know that Husker Nation is supporting them and behind them. Because th- that's kind of the crux of why I wanted to talk with you all is because it's easy to get into that narrative of all the negative stuff. And once you get into that and it becomes a loop and it just circles and circles and circles, all you think is negative. You think everything's going wrong. Everything's bad. And it's like, no, it's not. I am as confident now as I was at any point throughout this offseason. They've made the right moves. I can't wait to see this team kick off. So anyways, I guess my parting shot is just I'm pumped for this to happen. It's football season. We should be smiling. We should be happy. This is a great time of the year. And uh, and I can't wait for it. Go Big Red. Chaz, your parting shot. I'll piggyback on what you said, only put in a little bit uh, a different flavor to it. Not everybody's going to believe this, and it's been debated a lot, but I'm telling you, it's true. Recruits listen to the chatter. If there's a lot of negativity, don't for a moment think that that's a – I'm telling you, don't think for a moment that that doesn't hurt your team and hurt your program. Because it does. On the other hand, staying just where you're going, why bother with the nonsense when there's so much good? To get? I've been saying it for quite a while. Get on the bandwagon now because it's coming. Uh, we, I've been telling you for three years, be patient. Now you're going to start seeing why the patience starts to pay off. It's going to be a fun year this year. Chris, Husker Hype. One thing that I always kind of think of is like 
Um, and I think of that, uh, that Pirates of the Caribbean meme where it's like, um, you know, but you have heard of me and like everyone's <laughs> so, but dude, we're still getting everyone's best shot because we're still Nebraska and we still care. And we have 90,000 people in there every Saturday and we're still getting everyone's best shot. They're going to start getting ours. Oh, it's like. going to, and there's the other thing is just be, if you're not excited about the staff, if you just can't do it. Be excited for the kids and the players that are here and they want to be here. I watched JoJo Doman kneel on the field to an empty crowd. And, dude, we get to watch him go out, and he gets to go out the right way in front of all these fans. I just, I'm just, i just so pumped for that. That's awesome. Jim. In the words of the late, great Al Davis, just win, baby. <laughs> all we got to do, take just care of win. itself. Meg. Oh man. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for the seniors. People don't come back if they don't want to be here. We all want to be here. They want to be here. It's going to be a good year. Love it. And I can't think of anybody better to end this with than the, the number one hype man in all of Husker football, Husk guys. I mean, I'll close where we started. We're going to win the big 10. That's <laughs> a, I, I believe, I believe it. I'm going to will it into existence. And one of these years I'm going to be right. You got the Kool-Aid over there. <laughs> It's delicious. Come have I'm 12, some. I'm 12 and 0 guy. I've been saying that every year. So I mean, I, I, I like to rival Huskies, but I'm not quite Huskies there. Well, it's delicious. Again, thank you all. This has been, it's been a blast. I hope it's as fun for you as it, as it has been for me on this side. I'm going to ask for your help here. Uh, I don't have Dave doing our normal clothes, you know, that this has a, been a go big redcast. So if I could get everyone to just help me out here. Uh, thanks. And uh, listen to us next week on the Go, go Big, big Red Redcast. A Huda Media Production.